Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome aboard. Well, it's supposed to snow and sleet maybe in Washington, D.C. on Monday and snow in Minnesota on Tuesday. Welcome to the first full week of spring. And welcome to America's Most Popular Radio Travel Show. I'm your genial host, Rudy Maxa. In a minute, we're going to take a look at a piece of legislation in Washington called the Transparent Airfares Act of 2014. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, anything transparent is better than something that isn't, particularly when it comes to uh, things that go on in Washington. Well, not so fast, says our friend Charlie Leoka. He's the director of the, uh, uh, well, he's got, actually got a new title. I'll tell you about when I introduce him. Uh, we'll have details in about two minutes on that Transparent Airfare Act. Then we're going to take a look at the enormous amount of theories, some sensible, some simply fantastic, I don't mean that in a positive way, regarding the disappearance of that Malaysia airplane, airlines plane. Bart Jansen, USA Today's travel editor, does a quick survey of the possible and the implausible of those theories. And it's time to start planning your summer travel. If there are kids involved, well, you can trust Eileen Ogins of TakingTheKids.com to be of help. She's in the house today as well. So is a woman who says, if you really want to have some fun, how about a safari by horseback in Botswana? To which I say, hey, why not? Details to follow. Or if that doesn't appeal to you, how about exploring part of America by following the country's whiskey trail? It runs from Mount Vernon in Virginia all the way to Bardstown, Kentucky. We're going to meet a Saturday evening post writer named Todd Piddock, who shouldered the chore of traveling along that trail. And... To that, I say, why not as well? First, let's take a quick look at some of this week's news and travel. In case uh, you've forgotten the weather hell that January was, the numbers are out from the Department of Transportation. This past January was the worst January in 20 years for flight delays and cancellations. Airlines canceled 6.5% of all their flights. That's up a big 1.5% from last year's January. Only two-thirds of the flights of major carriers arrived on time this past January. So you had a four out of ten chances of not getting there on time if you were flying in January. I guess about the only good news is there weren't a lot of passengers trapped in airplanes on tarmacs for hours. Airlines have gotten smarter about canceling flights ahead of time or not leaving in the gate if weather is threatening. You can credit that to the prospect of huge fines for any uh, airlines that keep passengers locked up in the plane that doesn't go anywhere for more than three hours. The Thai government on Wednesday lifted its state of emergency that accompanied weeks of political protests in Bangkok streets. Tourism has dropped at least 3%. Hotels are offering deals to bring back visitors. Thailand is, of course, one of the world's most visited countries. And Peru's, Peru's Minister of Culture decried so-called naked tourism at Machu Picchu following reports of American, Israeli, and Canadian tourists stripping off their clothes to pose nude among the famous Mayan ruins. Why? Got me. I don't know. Photos posted on the website, My Naked Trip, have gone viral. Maybe that's what's to blame. I don't know. Peruvian officials, at any rate, call the trend disrespectful. Unfortunate events that threaten cultural heritage. I just call it stupid. So Congressman Bill Schuster recently introduced a bill he calls, as I said, the Transparent Airfares Act of 2014. But one of our regular guests, Charlie Leoka, is, uh, uh, has some other thoughts on that. He's not quite as big on that as... Uh, as as one might suggest in the title, Charlie is the um, Charlie. What's your new title? Well, the new, the new official title is Chairman of Travelers United. 
And right, we're exactly. changing the name of the organization. It used to be called Consumer Travel Alliance, for those who've heard me before. And we're getting ready, uh, beginning the 1st of May, to launch a membership organization. Terrific. And that's going to have a new name, which is Travelers... Uh, uh, United. Travelers United, right. Okay, Charlie, well, so so this looks good. The airfare, uh, you know, the this is going to sh- make everything fight. We're going to be able to tell what the full fares are with fees and everything, right? Uh, absolutely. Let me tell you, Bill Schuster has really gotten this thing sold out. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the what they're doing is they're rolling back rules, which uh, we worked hard to put in place about three years ago. And basically, you may have noticed that no longer do you see advertisements that say, Boston, $65, and Boston to London, $65. And then they have an asterisk behind the $65, and then in tiny type at the bottom of the page, it says, based upon one way of round-trip transportation, not including taxes, fees, or surcharges. And that's what uh, Schuster's bill wants to go back to. What that $65 advertised price actually translates to is $751, the absolute cheapest price you could buy the ticket for. And that's an example from back uh, uh, three years ago, uh, comparing advertisements the day before the rule went into effect and the day after the rule went into effect. And so what consumers really want to be able to do is compare the total cost of travel. That's the important part uh, for you and for me. And we don't want to compare the airfares. You know, you see these airfares from Spirit Airlines and Allegiant. It, you know, they might say $9, you know, right. Chicago to um, Myrtle Beach. Sorry. We all know that's not going to happen. And what, this, what the current rules do is they forbid the airlines from making those kind of outlandish claims. Why would and a congressman want to, want, to, want to obscure this, and why would he want to take a step backward and make it more confusing for consumers? Well, I really have no idea. However, the airlines have been fighting uh, valiantly to try to let consumers know how many taxes are included in their airfares. And the current rule allows the airlines to break out the taxes and fees and surcharges any way they want. They just have to present one total price up front, and then they can break it out. And what the airlines want to do is they want to show only the airfare, and then on a different page on the website, add in the taxes and fees and surcharges, making it almost impossible for consumers to know the true cost of travel. Right, to compare and apples with apples. it's very difficult to compare prices. So w- w- I, I go back to why is Bill, you have no idea why Bill Schuster happens to be carrying water for the uh, airlines in this regard. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in uh, this bill actually has some very strange bedfellows. Um, uh, Representative DeFazio from Oregon, who has really been a consumer advocate for years, sure. uh, seems to have had the um, uh, wool pulled over his eyes, and even he's supporting it. But I think that he's going to back off once we get a chance to talk to him next week. So it's, there's a lot of maneuvering going on in Washington, and I think that this is a part of an action by the airlines to try to bring more um, clarity to this whole concept of taxes and fees. Because right. in the latest budget, uh, our security fee, which already doubled uh, right. uh, last year, or is it, it was passed and it comes into effect in June, 
they're going to increase it even more in the next budget. Right. So they just well maneuvering going on in travelers. Washington, Charlie. I, I'm just shocked that maneuvering is going on in Washington. I, we've got to uh, take a break here, but. Uh, Charlie Leoka is the chairman and founder of the Consumer Travel Alliance. The website is consumer tra- consumertravelalliance.org still, Charlie? All right. Or go to travelersunited.org. They both Travelers still work. Great. Thank you, Charlie. Take care. Next up, Bart Jansen of USA Today reviews the reasonable and the unbelievable theories about that Malaysia jet. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Travel rewards usually take forever to earn and even longer to redeem. Introducing Orbitz Rewards, the instant approach. Earn and redeem rewards instantly. Book a flight, use the rewards right away for your hotel. Book your hotel and use the rewards to stay longer. Book a package, well, you get the picture. Earn even more when you book using the Orbitz app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join today and get instant vacation gratification. Go to Orbitz.com slash rewards. That's Orbitz.com slash rewards or visit RudyMaxa.com under sponsors. Are you suffering from itchy skin? It's terrible. The itch you can't seem to scratch, being miserable and uncomfortable, you just want immediate relief that lasts. You need TriCalm. It's new and not like the same old itch products in your medicine cabinet. Dermatologists recommended TriCalm relieves itchy skin in minutes, and it's backed by the itch-free guarantee. If TriCalm doesn't stop your itch, just mail them the empty tube and they'll send you a full refund. TriCalm comes in a blue and white box in the first aid aisle at CVS, Walgreens, and other fine retailers. Get TriCalm today and get relief. Hey, it's Guy Fieri. If there are good times going on and you're not part of them because of heartburn, get back in the game by rolling out the Rolaids. Don't let heartburn keep you from enjoying the things you love. Rolaids gets you back in the action fast. Its dual active formula neutralizes more acid than Tums. For acid indigestion, upset stomach, and heartburn, get rapid relief with Rolaids. R-O-L-A-I-D-S? Now that's how you spell relief. Use as directed. Acid neutralization may not correlate with symptom relief. Ron Delano, Attorney Houston. If you've been diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled to a tax-free share of billions of dollars that have been set aside for mesothelioma cancer patients. Second-hand asbestos exposure can also cause mesothelioma. Many patients were exposed to asbestos and didn't even know it. Call right now to get the facts about your legal rights and possible financial compensation. Call 800-764-3000-800-764-3000-800-764-3000. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. Welcome back. Nice to have you here. This segment is brought to you by Orbitz, who reminds you that travel rewards usually take forever to earn and even longer to redeem. But with Orbitz Rewards, you can redeem rewards instantly. You book a flight, use those rewards towards your hotel purchase. Book your hotel, use those rewards to stay longer. Earn even more when you book using an Orbitz app. You'll get 5% back on hotels, 2% on flights that you can apply to future hotel stays. Check it out at orbits.com slash rewards. It's free and get instant vacation gratification about 18 minutes after the hour. And it has been, we're beginning our third week of the search for that missing Malaysia Airlines uh, 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 passenger jet with 236 people aboard. Um, As I broadcast live at about uh, 10, 18 in the morning Eastern time, 
on Saturday, the 22nd of March, there was a report as I woke up this morning that satellites, uh, Chinese, a Chinese satellite had uh, located some possible debris, possible, I underline that word, um, in the same part of the Indian Ocean uh, off southwestern Australia that uh, aircraft and ships and now submarines apparently have been searching for the last, uh, I guess, three days. Uh, Bart Jansen is the aviation editor for USA Today, and he took a look at some of these theories. And I guess, are more theories developing every day, Bart? They are. I mean, the the mystery, the Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott has called it an extraordinary riddle because you have to figure out how to get a plane to fly for seven and a half hours, basically, without communicating with anyone, and then winding up we don't yet know where. I think the furthest, I mean, the, the, one, of the, one of the more uh, extreme theories that I've heard is, you know, the Air Force, U.S. Air Force has this, it's not really secret, or we wouldn't be talking about it, but this so-called secret airfield somewhere in Thailand, and, and that uh, they substituted another plane for this one to send out, you know, wrong signals, and the plane has secretly landed there, et cetera. Have you heard that one, of course? Well, there were several theories about, where the plane might have landed, uh, some folks took a look and found more than 600 runways within the circle of how far the plane could have flown if it, if it used up all of its fuel. But I think uh, some satellite tracking uh, has allowed authorities to narrow down the search a bit along two uh, paths, and, and that's why they are now looking uh, most intensely in the Indian Ocean. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the cooler heads, um, I'm thinking of Patrick Smith from Ask the Pilot, uh, among others, there, there seem to be two sort of relatively level-headed. One is that there was a sudden dramatic loss of oxygen, so everybody basically died of lack of oxygen, the decompression of the plane, and it just flew on autopilot for a long time. That's one theory. The other is that there was a fire in the electrical system, and that's how the some of the communications capability got cut off. But I don't know how, if there were a fire, even if it was a really, really, really slow-moving fire, I don't quite know how a plane could go for hours and hours beyond that. But those seem to me the two sort of pilots look at it. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? Well, that's right, that those are both explanations that don't require any uh, bad actors on the plane. Right. Um, but in both cases, the, the problem is, is if you have a, a depressurization is what happened to uh, Payne Stewart, the golfer Payne Stewart's plane in 1999. It continues yeah, to fly until right. it runs out of gas. But this plane changed direction about 40 minutes after taking off. And so if something bad happened on the plane, the pilot thinks, okay, I better turn around to try to land somewhere. Then whatever disabled the crew and all the passengers has to happen after that. As you say, if you have a fire, it has to be fast moving enough to prevent to stop communication and yet let the plane continue to fly for seven and a half hours. Um, there's been some talk about lithium batteries as cargo aboard the plane. When those are packed badly, uh, sometimes they can catch fire. But in the case of a UPS plane leaving Dubai in 2010, the fire uh, knocked that plane out of the sky within 30 minutes. It, it, it wouldn't happen slow enough. Hmm. Now, could there? Uh, by the way, we're talking with. Uh, I'm talking with Bart Jensen. He's a USA Today uh, newspaper's aviation editor, and he has done. A, he did a piece uh, earlier this week on some of the theories regarding the dis disappearance of Malaysia Airlines Flight M8 uh, Flight 370. Uh, Bart, is there some halfway in between? If you take those two, one is that. There was something going wrong, so the pilot 
changed, diverted course, you know, maybe uh, oxygen problems or something. And then after he diverted course, going back to mainland Malaysia for an airport that he saw that he knew was not too far away, you know, he that was the end of everybody on the plane. And then it just kept flying on autopilot. Is that possible? That's, that's absolutely possible. And I, I suspect that's what people who don't want to think uh, that the pilots acted badly, you know, that they were just trying to do a good job. Um, in the case of a, a Swiss air flight from uh, JFK to Geneva in 98, uh, pilots noticed uh, fire. They tried to make an emergency landing in uh, Nova, Scotia, Nova Scotia, and yeah. they were unable to, to get there, and, and they also plummeted into the ocean. The, the problem is they were able to communicate and say, hey, right. we're in trouble, we're coming toward your airport. Right. Again, it, yeah. in this case, whatever happened presumably either knocked out the communications or they didn't want to talk, and so it's it's still quite unclear what was going on on the plane uh, as it changed course. Um, the, also, the argument against uh, you know landing in a, a Thailand or landing at a, a precise air, airport is that you know if it kept flying for seven and a half hours, how does it keep flying for that long without trying to communicate to somebody? Yeah, if you were a betting man, would you put your money on bad actors, either the crew or bad guys on the plane? I would not, just because in the cases that we've seen, there was a, a Silk Air flight in 1997 and an Egypt Air flight in 1999, where the pilots did, according to investigators, appear to steer the plane down into the water, killing all the passengers. Right. In both of those cases, that happened basically right after they reached cruising altitude, about about the same level of flight time into as this flight when it stopped communicating. And so, I mean, the curiosity for me would be why fly it for seven and a half or more hours right. and right. then do something bad. So uh, I still exactly. suspect that the pilots were overwhelmed somehow and that the plane continued to fly automatically. And so it, it, we really need to find the plane to get the answers. And this morning on the news, again, uh, I, I, I stress the time we're, we're talking, uh, Bart, simply because about two-thirds of our stations time shift our show to either later on Saturday or even on to Sunday. So... Uh, a listener on Sunday might go, Rudy, didn't you hear the big news report last night? Well, I'm talking to you at uh, 1025 in the morning Eastern on Saturday morning. Um, the introduction of submarines with sonar devices, uh, or listening devices, I should say, um, to the waters there in the, Indian, in the Indian Ocean, that was new to me this morning, although I heard, a, I presume, an expert being interviewed saying that the ping from black boxes or emergency beacons on an airplane underwater can only travel one or two miles, and as we all know, they've got thousands of miles to cover there. Do uh, you think this plane's ever going to get found, or what remains of it? Well, with each day that passes, it gets harder and harder. Uh, the problems with the satellite photographs that have been released this week is the commercial satellite picture was taken on Sunday, and the Chinese photo that was just released today was taken on Tuesday. And so even if those are pictures of wreckage from the plane, they are old, and the debris continues to move in the, in the ocean currents. That's if it's on the surface. If it sinks before the right. ships or search planes get there, then we don't get them at all. In, in the case of Air France flight that crashed in the Atlantic in 2009, uh, searchers found the wreckage floating relatively quickly after a few days, and wreckage continued to float for about 25 days. But it still took two years to find the black boxes on the ocean floor, 
and that required uh, you you can use a sonar uh, to try to find the wreckage. As you say, the black boxes continue to ping. They're only certified to ping for about 30 days. They can last longer out with that with batteries, but it'll it could be a very difficult search on the ocean floor, even if they find wreckage on the surface. Bart, we only have 45 seconds left. So I just want that 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 uh, Air France one that went down flying from my South America to to Europe. Uh, um, in a storm, was that a Judy? Was was the question of suicide ever uh, decided on that, or was that a crash, or is there some debate on that? Uh, no, there is no debate. Um, it was not a suicide. Weather? It was uh, they were flying through a storm. Some of their okay. speed equipment froze up, and they miss the pilots act uh, acted erroneously. And yeah, they, they reacted wrongly. Sky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I couldn't quite remember the, the detail, but that now that you mentioned, I do remember they found that the pilot reacted just the opposite of the way he or she, he should have reacted, I guess. They well, kept pulling up in a stall and dropped out of the sky. Right, exactly. Oh, gosh, Bart, Bart, Bart. These are just so uh, such terrible things. Well, I, I guess we, we, we just watch as, uh, as the world's navies and armies uh, and air forces uh, scan that part of the ocean and keep our fingers crossed, but you've got, uh, you've got an assignment that can last quite a while here, I think. Mark Jansen is the aviation editor at USA Today. I thank him for joining us. We'll be right back here in Rudy Max's World. Thank you. Rudy Max's World is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com. If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4. I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled. For more information or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com. Would you wait a week for your shower to get hot? (laughs) Would you wait up to a week to feel maximum relief from your nasal congestion? Nasacort Allergy Nasal Spray could take that long. But if you're congested now and you want powerful relief now, Afrin No-Drip starts working in seconds and keeps working for 12 hours. So why wait up to a week for maximum relief from your nasal spray when you can start to get relief in seconds with Afrin? (sighs) Afrin, powerful congestion relief without the wait. Use as directed. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to the show. Nice to have you here. By the way, if you uh, are on Facebook, uh, take a peek at my Facebook fan page and hit the like button. Will you? We're trying to get up to 4,000 likes. I think we're at 3,831 or something this morning when I signed to look. I mean, don't go there just to like it. Um, I post, we post links to our guests, so if uh, you want more information on somebody you hear on the show, you'll find that there. You can also um, uh, see some of the posts that I do when I'm on the road. I try to post sort of quirky or interesting or useful things uh, that might help you out. Uh, by the way, it's uh, the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd, 
keep in mind that if you have a, a lot of U.S. Airways miles you want to use on Star Alliance Airlines, because the as a you got to use them about the next week, because at the end of this month, U.S. Airways will be part of one world with American Airlines. Now there's still some Star Alliance carriers that will take U.S. Airways miles after that, but some of the big ones won't. So, for example, on United. If you want to, if you've been thinking about using your U.S. Airway miles toward a United flight, you've got to book that. Now you can book out for you know 300 days or so or whatever, but uh, so you don't have to travel now. But you've got to book it before the end of this month. So keep that in mind if you have U.S. Airways miles. Uh, now they're not going to become American miles right away. That may not happen until 2015. But because U.S. Airways is joining the One World Alliance and leaving the Star Alliance, you can't use those U.S. Airway miles on United and many of the other. Uh, Star Alliance Air, Airlines. So move before the end of the uh, the end of the month. Remember that shooter at the Los Angeles airport who killed a TSA officer before being shot by a police officer? I think it was last uh, last November, I believe. Well, this week a report on the airport's response to that emergency came in, and it was fairly brutal in the analysis of the airport's uh, uh, actions. It basically gave the airport a failing grade. Airport police couldn't communicate with fire and police departments because of incompatible radio systems. Shades of 9-11 in New York. Remember, that was a problem with the first responders in New York City at, uh, way back in those days, in 20, you know, in, uh, on, on November 11th. Um, you would think that by now, police and fire forces around the United States would have gone, hey, maybe we ought to be on compatible radio systems. I guess not. And I'm sure it's more complicated than I know. The airport's emergency operations center was staffed by a single untrained mid-level manager. And when a TSA supervisor picked up a red phone to report an emergency, the police dispatcher had no idea where he was calling from and heard only the sounds of shouting and gunshots. There was no centralized public address system, so passengers had no idea what was going on or what they should do. Airport officials didn't know they could text on their own cell phones. How could that be? How could you not know you can text on your own cell phones? So they couldn't communicate. No one seemed to know who should be barred from entering the premises of the airport. Red Cross responders and even the airport's executive director were blocked temporarily from entering the perimeter of the airport. And 23,000 travelers were evacuated or placed in holding areas where they received no explanation for what was going on. Now, by sheer coincidence, sheer coincidence, I just happened to land at LAX shortly after the shooting. And fortunately, my terminal wasn't involved in all the action, so I was able to collect my luggage and leave. I emerged outside of the uh, baggage center to find no taxis, no rental car buses, no cars, no nothing. Nothing but small armies of people dragging luggage behind them, trying to get off the airport premises where they hope to find some kind of transportation most of them didn't even know what was going on. The only reason I knew what was going on is I turned on my cell phone when our plane hit the tarmac. I mean, not to find out what was going on at the airport. I turned it on to see if I had any voicemails after flying several hours or any, or any important emails or texts. And instead, I got all these news bulletins about a shooting at LAX. And I looked out the window, and there I was at LAX. At any rate, the airport was crippled for at least five hours, way too long in the estimation of this study. Airport commissioners, upon the release of this study this week, promised more emergency training for staff and uh, an upgrade for its emergency procedures. The bottom line is this. LAX was not prepared to deal with a single shooter who was incapacitated and arrested fairly quickly. I mean, try to imagine what would have happened had the incident been a larger one. Anyway, the alleged shooter has pleaded not guilty, and he faces trial. I thought this was a little interesting. There's a, there's a website that uh, called Review Pro, and it's really aimed at hotels who, who uh, want to check and see how they're comparing to some of the competition. They parsed 839,000 online guest reviews of 1,700 properties 
these reviews were published during 2013, to determine the top luxury hotels worldwide. I think you might be surprised. Hotels were grouped into three categories, with the large brands being those with more than 20 properties. In other words, 20 hotels with the same name. Um, I just took a look at the larger brands because I thought that was rather interesting. The favorite large brand, hotel brand, in the world? Oberai Hotels. You may not know Oberai Hotels. Oberai Hotel is based in uh, Oberai Hotels are based in India. They enjoyed a ninety. They got about ninety four point seven percent of a uh, rating from uh, folks who were reviewing the. Close behind, only about two percent behind was Four Seasons, followed by Orient Express, followed by Park Hyatt, and followed by Taj Hotels, another Indian uh, based uh, huge luxury hotel company that, by the way, owns the Pierre in New York. The Ritz-Carlton in Boston, and I think it's called the, Ta- the Taj of Campton Place in San Francisco. The top individual hotels, what are the five best hotels, according to these nearly 900,000 reviewers? Uh, the Palacio Nazarenas, it's an Orient Express hotel in Cusco, down by Machu Picchu. The Northern Bell, another Orient Express hotel, I don't know where the Northern Bell is. A Rosewood Resort, Jumbi Bay in the Caribbean, which is very luxurious. The Oberai Vanya Villas in India. And the only one I've stayed at is this one, I think. The Four Seasons Tented Camp in Thailand's Golden Triangle. That is a magical place if you get a chance. The countries with the highest top-rated hotels, not the United States. We came in number three ahead of us, India and China. We'll be right back with more Travel Talk in Rudy Max's world. Don't go away. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right here. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4. I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled. For more information or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com. Ron Delano, Attorney Houston. If you've been diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled to a tax-free share of billions of dollars that have been set aside for mesothelioma cancer patients. Second-hand asbestos exposure can also cause mesothelioma. Many patients were exposed to asbestos and didn't even know it. Call right now to get the facts about your legal rights and possible financial compensation. Call 800-764-3000. 800-764-3000. 800-764-3000. Hey, this is Guy Fieri. Now, when your recipe calls for red peppers, chili powder, garlic, and onions, you got the start of some awesome chili and maybe some heartburn. If that's the case, roll out the Rolaids liquid. Don't let heartburn keep you from enjoying the things you love. New Rolaids liquid gets you back in the action fast. Even when your worst heartburn symptoms flare up, Rolaids Liquid Dual Active Formula coats and soothes for rapid relief. New Rolaids Liquid in your choice of mint or cherry. Use as directed. R-O-L-A-I-D-S? Now that's how you spell relief. Hey, it's Guy Fieri. If there are good times going on and you're not part of them because of heartburn, get back in the game by rolling out the Rolaids. Don't let heartburn keep you from enjoying the things you love. Rolaids gets you back in the action fast. Its dual active formula neutralizes more acid than Tums. For acid indigestion, upset stomach, and heartburn, get rapid relief with Rolaids. R-O-L-A-I-D-S? <laughs> now that's how you spell relief. Use as directed. Acid neutralization may not correlate with symptom relief. A click. A single click of the mouse. It seems harmless. But what is a click, really? A click is a decision. A click can buy, send, 
agree, decline, cancel. A click can say I trust you or I don't. The click is a powerful thing and anyone could compromise your personal information. So make the one click that can help protect you. Go to identityguard.com free for a free trial. Identity Guard, because it doesn't take much. Are you suffering from itchy skin? It's terrible. The itch you can't seem to scratch, being miserable and uncomfortable, you just want immediate relief that lasts. You need TriCalm. It's new and not like the same old itch products in your medicine cabinet. Dermatologists recommended TriCalm relieves itchy skin in minutes, and it's backed by the itch-free guarantee. If TriCalm doesn't stop your itch, just mail them the empty tube and they'll send you a full refund. TriCalm comes in a blue and white box in the first aid aisle at CVS, Walgreens, and other fine retailers. Get TriCalm today and get relief. Get out the map, get out the map, and lay your finger anywhere down. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. It's 43 minutes after the hour. Hey, want to take a ride on the wild side? Actually, that's the title, the name of the company that my guest is director of. It's called Rides on the Wild Side. It's based in Botswana, and her name is Danny Hancock, and she joins me from uh, Botswana. How do you pronounce the name of the town you're in, Danny? Hi there, Rudy. It's Maun. It's a Maun, M-A-U-N. M-A-U-N. And what Rides on the Wild Side does, it will take you, or Danny and her company will take you, on a safari, on a horse. I think that sums it up correctly, Danny. Now, what's the advantage of, of first of all, I, I understand you're the only horseback uh, riding safari in Botswana. What is the advantage of going on a horse as opposed to an open jeep, for example? Well, I mean, there's lots to be said for going in an open Jeep, and um, I would say to everybody not to miss out on that opportunity, of course. But for those of you that do ride, um, and you have to be pretty competent to be riding in most parts of Botswana because it is big game country, um, you do just have this amazing interaction with the game that you're seeing from the back of the horse. It's a very real experience. It's incredibly exciting. And, of course, the relationship you build up with your horse the team you're riding with and your guides is, is really second to none. It's fantastic. Now, having been on a couple of Jeep safaris in, in Africa, um, you know, I now know that the lion will not jump, or tiger will not jump into your, well, lion will jump into your uh, Jeep and eat you. Uh, do they have a similar respect for people on top of horses? I guess they do, or you wouldn't be in business. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it's a question, obviously, I do get asked an awful lot. Um, the thing is that lion, um, you know, are in... in Botswana, they are in the Okavango Delta and the other areas that we're riding in. They are opportunistic hunters, um, but they're hugely respectful of people. And the, the whole thing when you are riding in such country is your guides are very experienced. They're looking out, obviously, to not get unnecessarily close to, to such a, a predator. Um, and if we do find ourselves with a sighting, then we emphasize our human presence on the back of the horses. Um, and that will mean the guides will go to the front of the ride. We have two guides on every ride for safety reasons. Um, and then you'll, you will either stand your ground or walk out of the situation, or you may have to gallop at speed should there be a bit of excitement there. But that doesn't happen very often, fortunately. Well, Danny, forgive the, the very elementary nature of my questions, but do, do lions not see horses as a possible meal? 
Um, you know, they, horses themselves, um, particularly if they are sort of grazing um, by themselves, which they do when you're not riding, the horses are, are free to graze, although in a fenced area, they are watched, but they are grazing as themselves, um, and that's when we have to be particularly careful. As I say, when you're on the back of a horse and you're talking and so on, and you are a different shape, and I think that's the important point to make, just mm-hmm. as you are when you're in a jeep, you know, you actually take on the shape of that Jeep rather than being an individual person as such in that vehicle. And that's the thing you do on the horse as well. You're making a different shape, which is not um, familiar to the lion as a as a As, a as lunch. As lunch, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, I, uh, I, I would guess that with a horse, you might be able to go into some places that might not be accessible uh, by, with a four-wheel vehicle. Well, this is exactly it. And I mean, this is with rides all over the world, not just in Botswana. But, you know, if we are focusing on Botswana here, um, the Okavango Delta, for example, has massive tracts of water. Um, It's very hard to maneuver those areas in a vehicle or even sometimes in a boat or even in the dugout Makoros canoes um, that we have here. So sometimes you're getting to areas on the horses uh, that you would not get to otherwise, which is incredibly exciting. Um, so you really are getting to the most remote areas and seeing animals that really you're not going to see any other way. Very, very exciting for everybody. You know. And before I say goodbye to you, do you have to be an accomplished rider to do this? You do in the big game areas, but we do have rides in Botswana where we have more relaxed game, not the dangerous game. So if you're interested and you're not so experienced, then please do still get in touch. All right, and if you want to get in touch, uh, uh, Danny's website is ridesonthewildside.com. That's all one word, rides, plural, ridesonthewildside.com. If you're interested in uh, finding out more about taking a uh, safari by horseback in Botswana, that's, uh, that's how you find out about it. Danny Hancock is the director. How long have you been in business doing this, Danny? Um, I've been um, in the business of having my own company since 2007, but before that I was working in the horse safari industry um, in a different, rather, different niche rather, uh, for some 10 years before that. So I've been in the game for 17 or so years now. And good for you. And where are you from? Originally from the UK, Hampshire. Winchester, Winchester Cathedral, which I think the Americans always know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of lions up there. Hey, Danny, thank you for stopping by. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy the rest the we- of your day. You as well. The website's ridesonthewildside.com. You're listening to Rudy Max. We'll be right back. Rudy Max's world phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. The telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa. It is 52 minutes after the hour here in Rudy Maxa's world. If you hear something in the show you'd like to send along to a friend or hear again because you came in midstream perhaps, we uh, post podcasts of uh, every weekend's show and you can go back, I don't know, probably back a couple years and listen all the time um, at rudymaxa.com just click on podcasts there and also I do a travel minute uh, five days a week for our uh, for many of our stations and you can read the transcripts not audio it's a transcript very brief little bite-sized travel tips I, uh, and thoughts that I put out every week just hit travel minutes at rudymaxa.com 
Com as well. Okay, we talked uh, in the last segment about taking a horseback safari in Botswana, which sounds very exciting, particularly since I'm not an accomplished horseback rider. It sounds really exciting. Um, maybe you'd like something a little more close to home, a little more low-key. Todd Pittock is a uh, contributor to the Saturday Evening Post, and he has a very, uh, should we say, a uh, little low, more low-stress tour along America's Whiskey Trail, which apparently stretches well, I'll let him tell you. Uh, Todd, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Good to be here, Rudy. I didn't know we well I didn't know we had a whiskey trail because I know the guys at the uh at the uh, distillers uh office here in Washington DC but describe for me what the whiskey our listeners what the whiskey trail consists of in the United States please. Uh, okay so so people think of Kentucky and Tennessee and that's actually where I kind of focused my trip but the way they did the the trail was to take you back to uh, you know where it began, which is uh, you know Pennsylvania. It's it, actually George Washington was a was a, a a distiller himself, and so they linked in order to kind of tell a very American story of American whiskey that starts in Mount Vernon, moves up to Pennsylvania, and comes down through uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. Now, is this is this something a trail? I mean, uh, when I when we put, I guess we have to put trail in quotes. Is this a trail that? one can find somewhere, uh, you know, even online, to, to guide one through this if you want to really do uh, a week's worth of whiskey tasting and, and uh, experience a little Americana along the way? Yeah. Uh, there, it, I, th- I, I believe they publish it. Uh, there's an actual brochure that one can get. Uh, the distillers, associate, the name's escaping right now, but the... Uh, um, Disp- Distilled, Distilled Spirits Dist- Council of America. Exactly. Uh, so they publish a brochure... Um, but, you know, the reality is you could also just uh, pick some names of some places that you like and, um, and, and do it that way, um, you know, because you go to these places and you're kind of getting the story as you go. What, uh, what do you mean by that? Um, okay, so, well, all right, so there's the, well, first of all, there's the fun part about tasting the whiskey. But each of these places kind of, especially the old established brands, um, they have their... Um, uh, you know their 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 history, and and that history really does go back and 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 explore this this uh, uh, not just the story of whiskey, but you know how, for example, it came to be in Tennessee and Kentucky in the first place, which goes back to the the whiskey rebellion in Pennsylvania in 1794. Um, you know, so so as you go, you're picking up snippets of this story. Um, it, you, it does tie together in a trail, and you can do a, a you know a, a great loop over. Uh, you know, a week or 10 days. But you could also do it a couple of days and just pick out pieces of it. Well, uh, you know, I'm certainly familiar with wine tasting. Um, can you go to whiskey distillers, and do they have a, a, you know, do they welcome you in as a member of the public? You're welcome in. It's kind of peculiar in terms of the actual tasting regulations. They're starting to allow more tasting. Um, but, for example, in, in um, Coffee County, which is where... Uh, 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 Jack Daniels is, and I think George Dickel, and this is in Tennessee, um, they're still dry counties. Um, so you can't actually buy alcohol there. And each of the distillers has a, a, its own rules about, um, it's not just distillers' rules, but based on where they are, rules about tasting. Um, but Wait, yeah, are you saying the counties in Kentucky where Jack Daniels and other brands are made are dry counties? In Tennessee, Lynchburg. Yeah, excuse Tennessee, me, in Tennessee. Still, Does that strike you as a little weird? It's very strange. Um, I mean, it's very ironic, obviously, because Lynchburg effectively wouldn't exist 
but for Jack Daniels. I mean, that is what's there. Every job that's there, every person there is linked to the distillery. And so, but they have never, there was, a, they, there needed to be a minimal number of votes or, I don't even remember the details of, of the story, but, there, but to overturn prohibition, uh, they needed a certain population and a certain vote, and they never got it. So they, they are still under prohibition. That is so strange. You would think the backbone of their economy would be, um, you know, <laughs> there'd be more well, respect paid, as they say. Yeah, of course, the backbone of the economy is selling the whiskey, not drinking it, right? Well, that's true. I guess so. I guess so. Okay, so was there anything that really surprised you when you were on this tour in the last minute we have left? Um, well, I mean, you know, the travel dimension of it was really fun. I mean, going from these, you know, the heavy forests of, of Tennessee and, the, you know, very, um, you know, beautiful landscapes there into Kentucky. And even though they're right next to each other, you go from forest into horseland and these rolling meadows. So, Oh yeah. You know, yes. As far as the whiskey is concerned, is the the surprising thing was how much variety there is within you know one sector of you know bourbon and Tennessee whiskey. Right. Um, right. Hey Todd, we've, I've got to wind you down here. We're coming to the end end of the hour. By the way, the Distilled Spirits Council of America's website is discus.org, D-I-S-C-U-S dot org, and I'm sure if you call them, they can help you out with the whiskey trail if, if there's not a link on the website. You're listening to Remax's World. We're going to take a break for about six minutes. If your station's leaving us, see you next weekend. Otherwise, hang on. We'll be back. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World, and as always, you're hearing must-hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.